You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? You are listening to Locked On NBA Draft, and this is your host, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. And in this episode, I am going to discuss a few of the options NBA teams will have to choose from at the five spot. I am recording live in Paris, France. I just landed, had a crazy two-hour process from the time I got off the plane until getting to my hotel. I'm on a budget, and I decided to take the train from the airport to the hotel. Normally, when I go to Paris, I spend that 80-euro cab ride. I decided that I want to save a little bit of money, and it took a while, and it's just traveling internationally with COVID and all that, it can, it can just be a process. But again, this episode, I'm going to t- actually, I'm going to explain later on in the episode why I'm here in Paris. And if you haven't had a chance to check out my website, NBADraftJunkies.com, or my YouTube channel, please do. I have player profiles and videos for all of the NBA Draft Junkies out there. I'm trying to update the website every single day. I try to add two or three profiles per day. All right, so let's talk about the centers or the fives in the 2022 draft class. Now, depending on... On if you believe Gonzaga freshman Chet Holmgren is a five, then Memphis's Memphis freshman Jalen Duran is the top center and will be the first to hear his name called by Adam Silver on draft night. Now there are so many people that are divided on whether Chet is a four or a five and what is his natural position. I think that he is a natural rim protector and he's currently averaging about three and a half blocks per game. He's mobile. He's agile. And he has the ability to switch out on wings and space. And with his ridiculous wingspan, which I think is listed at like 7'6", it allows him to be a threat to block or alter shots, even when a quicker guard beats him off the dribble. But he's only a buck 95. And even though he's tough and he's competitive, there's no way he can defend Joel Embiid or Jokic or even guys like Yusef Nurkic or keep someone like Clint Capella off the glass. So I understand both sides. I understand if you feel that he is too light in the pants to play the five. Now, again, nobody can stop Embiid. Nobody can stop Jokic. I mean, those are two guys that are MVP candidates, but they have to weigh at least 260 I think they weigh a lot more than what their listed weight is. I actually had a NBA player tell me that he thought Joel Embiid was 300 pounds, and it, it wouldn't shock me at all. Now, in Chet's case, even if those guys are at their listed weight, allegedly, he'll still be giving up 40 or 50 pounds in most of his matchups. So I can totally see why teams or even like fans think that he is best suited to play the four. Now, in Jalen Duran's case, he's much more of a natural five. He has the NBA-ready body. I mean, this dude is diesel. He has the NBA-ready body to hang with the guys that I just mentioned. But there's a saying that in today's NBA, in order to be an effective five, and this person, I forgot where I heard it from, but they said you either have to anchor a defense or be able to stretch the floor. 
Now, you can go down the list of all the top centers in the NBA, and more than likely they do one or the other. And in Jalen's case, he would be someone that would be able to anchor a defense. Now, like I said, I find a lot of truth in that statement. There's always exceptions, but I look at a guy like Jaleel Okafor as a prime example. I was a big Okafor fan coming out of Duke. And it just sucks for him that he was born in the wrong era because he is a gifted scorer on the block. And the game literally changed early in his career. He's not a good defender. He's not good in space. He wasn't a rim protector. And unfortunately, that is why he's out of the league. Now, if this were 1992, I think that he's a starting center, maybe even borderline all-star. But it's 2022, and Jalil Okafor is headed to China. Now, I, I lived in China. I've seen that brand of basketball. He should be able to put up some huge numbers. But it just it just stinks that he's such a talented and gifted scorer and there is no room for him in the NBA. Now, in Jalen Duran's case, in my opinion, he's still a little raw on the offensive end, but that is totally expected because he's only 18 years old. His touch around the rim is still a work in progress, and he's not as polished as... Someone like Travion Williams, who I'll talk about later, or even a Drew Timmy. But Timmy's a junior, and Williams is a senior, while Duran is literally supposed to be in high school. Like, he's 18 years old. He's supposed to be in high school. So him not being as polished is totally expected. And I'll give you an example. His first college basketball play, or first bucket in college basketball, he made a nice move, a nice post move on the low block. And I, I was excited because I had watched this film in high school and in AAU, and that was one of my knocks is that I felt like he didn't really have any post moves and he dominated just due to his pure physical advantages, and he made a nice post move. So I thought, okay, he turned the corner, and then the very next possession, he shot an air ball fadeaway. Maybe it was nerves, and maybe it was just because it was his first game, but there are times where he looks like he has good touch, and then there are times where it looks like he's literally shooting with gloves on. So it's inconsistent but I mean he's 18 so he has plenty of time to develop but he has the physical tools and he has the defensive upside to be this defensive anchor that teams covet in in this era of NBA basketball he can protect the rim and he's been compared to a young Dwight Howard now young Dwight was special 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 and those are some big shoes to fill but I can see the similarities, and I can see why people have made the comparison. Jalen is strong as a bull. He has, I think, like a 7'4", 7'5", wingspan, if I, I'm just coming off the top of my head. And he's quick off his feet. He's explosive for sure, but I don't think that he's on Dwight's level athletically. But he is explosive. Like I said, quick off his feet. He explodes. And he has a good motor. Now, I think his motor is a little inconsistent, but... There's, there's a V8 engine somewhere in that tank. Now, even if he never develops into like this polished post player or have advanced post moves, I do think that he can still be a high-level starter or an all-star level player. And I think that he can impact games with his defense, his rebounding, his athleticism, his energy plays, and as a passer. Now, when I've watched his film, he has impressed me, and he's made some pretty impressive short roll reads, and he's shown some passing instincts, 
So he may have a little bit of Bam out of bio in him. So if he can be somewhere in between Bam and Dwight Howard, we're talking about a max player, an all-star, and a guy that is a just a very impactful defender. Now, I do think that there's a good chance that he'll look better in the NBA than how he's looked in college. I think he'll be more... Uh, what's the word I'm using? I, I just think that he'll look better with NBA spacing and he'll look better with an NBA level point guard. I'm a Blazers fan and the way the season is going, he looks like he could be in Portland's draft range. And speaking of the Blazers, I'm, I'm still upset that the Blazers selected Zach Collins over Bam Adebayo. <sighs> but if Portland is in position, they cannot pass up a guy like Jalen Duran, I think he covers some of the, the weaknesses. But I'm getting way, way ahead of myself. It's still, like, it's, as of today, it's January 13th. We still have, like, five months and some change into the draft. So I'm getting way ahead of myself. But, I mean, the Blazers have a chance to be in the lottery, and I'm actually kind of excited about that. But after Jalen, I think there are a lot of question marks about some of the other centers in the draft. And when we return, I'll discuss some of the other bigs that I think have first-round potential. But before that, I want to talk to you about prize picks. Now, I, I know you, you've had to have been hearing about prize picks for months, but have you signed up yet? Now, if you haven't signed up yet, now is the perfect time because for a limited time, prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. Users would get $50 free. And if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. So again, you get $50 free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. I think I can score a single point. But you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available only to locked on fans who use the code NBA. And if you don't know about prize picks, which you should, especially if you've been listening. But if you're a new listener, Prize Picks is the best NBA daily fantasy prop game on the market. It offers more NBA props than any other daily fantasy prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as the bench players who are only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points, assists, rebounds, threes made, etc. You pick two to five players and an over or under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it is just you versus the projected numbers. So go to prizepicks.com today or go to your app store and download the app. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 free if your first prize picks entry scores a single bucket. Actually, it's not even a bucket, just a free throw. That's right. All users that deposit and use our promo code NBA will get $50 free if your first prize pick entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Oops, I forgot to thank you for making Locked On NBA Draft your first listen of the day. I, I usually try to start off with that, but I really appreciate it. But if it's not your first listen of the day, which you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. it is your first listen of the day. Now I would like to, to advise you to check out the Locked On Now podcast. Locked On Now gives you nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to the Locked On Now podcast on Apple, Spotify, or you can watch it on the NB Locked On NBA YouTube channel. All right, this is Rafael with NBA Draft Junkies. And in this segment, 
I want to talk about a couple other players. Now, in my latest big board, I had three centers that were selected in the first round after Jalen Duran. But I wouldn't be too surprised. And I would it wouldn't shock me at all if Jalen Duran is the last center that Adam Silver calls on draft night. I think there could be three guys in the first round. I think there could be a situation where there's not another center selected in the first round. It's I mean it, it's a crapshoot. And this draft is so wide open. Now there is a train of thought and it does make sense that you can find a center late in the first round or even in the second round. And history says that there's been some very productive starting centers that were selected outside of the lottery. Nikola Jokic, for example, was the MVP. He was a second-round pick. Rudy Gobert was, I think, the 27th pick and why he wears number 27. Jared Allen was a late—well, he was after the lottery. I think he was mid-first-round pick. Clint Capella was a late-first-round pick. And those are just some of the names off the top of my head that come to mind that were selected outside of the lottery. Now, I think that there are two international prospects that will likely be selected late first or early second. And if they are selected in that range, I think, this is just the Rafael Barlow opinion, I think that they can outperform their draft position. And the top center on my big board after Jalen Duran is Ishmael Kamagate out of France. And the reason I am in Paris is to check out Kamagate for the second time this year. If all goes well, and it looks like I'm about at the 10-yard line, if all goes well, I have some exclusive footage for you, and it will be on NBADraftJunkies.com, so stay tuned. Now, if you're not familiar with Kamagata, he's a 6'11 mobile big that is having what I would consider a breakout season for Paris Basket. I didn't think that he was a first-round pick just six months ago. And speaking of Paris Basket, it's a pretty new organization and I think that they're in position to have their second player drafted in the last two years. Um, Wuhan Bagarin, and I'm probably butchering his name, he was selected by the Celtics, and he's currently playing for Paris Basket, and he's being stashed, and he's developing nicely. And if I'm not mistaken, the club started in like 2017 or 2018, so that's pretty impressive that they have developed NBA-level players in such a small amount of time. Now, as far as Kamagate, like I said, I think he's having a breakout season. He's somewhat of a late bloomer, and I like him, and I have him as a first-round pick because I think that he's trending in the right direction. And to me, that is that is key. I think he's trending in the right direction. And he is someone that I think can be a starting center in the NBA in the very near future. He's got a strong frame, and he does most of his damage as the role man or as a vertical lob threat. But he can also impact games with his hustle and energy plays. And I've mentioned it before. I was at the game where they played Asvel, and they, he went up against Victor Wimbayama, and I just thought that he outplayed him early, got Wimbayama in foul trouble. It was such a huge difference because Wimbayama, well, he just turned 18, but Wimbayama was only 17 and such a weight difference. But I think that was a, a perfect game for him to for Kamagate to showcase what he's capable of because NBA scouts are going to be following Wimbayama closely for the next couple of years. Now, as far as Kamagate, again, I talked about his hustle. I, I really just don't have any concerns about his effort levels. And he's got some skills that can match his motor. 
He's comfortable attacking off the dribble and in face-up situations. And one of the things that I was hoping to see on this trip is I wanted to see if I could get a chance to watch him up close and personal in a workout. And I want to take a close look at his shooting range and his touch. I want to watch him up close and in personal in like a private workout situation because there's sometimes where guys aren't able to showcase some of their skills during games and you find out that oh okay this guy can shoot or this guy can do this by watching a private workout the best example i heard of that was jermaine o'neal i I read a story where he was buried on portland's bench behind rasheed wallace i think uh brian grant was there i forget who else was there maybe sabonis and the indiana pacers uh uh, donnie walsh had watched O'Neal work out before a game, and he noticed that he was just knocking down mid-range jumpers. And he didn't know that Jermaine had that in his his skill set because, of course, Jermaine wasn't playing. And that's what triggered him to make the trade that sent, I think it was Dale Davis to Portland and Jermaine to Indiana, and Jermaine ended up having an awesome career after that. So that's why I think it's important to watch some guys in warm-ups. I know when I scout NBA games, I like to get there really, really early. And just a side note, if you ever have a chance to go to a Milwaukee Bucks game, go check out Giannis's workout at about 5.30. Like, as soon as they allow fans in the arena, you can see Giannis' workout, and his workout is crazy. And, I mean, it's it's no secret why he is who he is and where he is. But anyway, back to Kamigate. I'm looking forward to seeing if he has a decent shooting touch or, or he has more range that than that he's been able to show because he has shown some glimpses of being able to knock down shots from outside of 15 feet. And I currently have him at number 17 on my big board that was released earlier this week, but the YouTube video will be dropping today. The next center is someone that I've been super high on, probably like driving the bandwagon for his fan club. And it is Abu Baji. In my opinion, I think he is a top 10 talent in this draft. So much so that I did a video breakdown on him last summer, and I mentioned I would have selected him in the first round of the 2021 draft. Now, when we return, I will share with you my notes on Abu Baji and and why I'm so high on him. But I need to talk to you about BetOnline. And BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march towards the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up for. So sign up today and you'll receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to get started. From football to basketball to hockey to boxing, UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't do not wait. I was confused between saying don't and do not at the same time but do not wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available to you in 2022 bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts all right back to abu baji i found some notes that i had on him from 2019 that's the first time i saw him play and these are just i'm just going to read the notes directly Only 16 years old, high upside as an athletic shot blocker, quick leaper with good timing, has some heart and toughness, very raw emphasis on very, and I said that he could be the number one pick when he's 19 or 20. 
So those were my notes from 2019. I saw him at the under-19s, and he was only 16 at the time. Now fast forward to today, and I still feel the same way. I really do. I, like I said, I'm, I'm probably the main one driving the Abu Baji fan club bandwagon. But unfortunately, in my opinion, he has not progressed like I expected. He had been playing for Barcelona's program, or he had been in their system for the last few years. And he's currently on loan. He's playing in second division Spain right now. Here's what I find very interesting. That Barcelona, and I don't know the whole situation, but I find it very interesting that Barcelona decided to loan him out. But it seems like they've gone in direction in the direction of James Naji. He's an 18-year-old. I, I call him the European version of Jalen Duran. And Naji's been getting minutes. And he got called up. I mean, it's not... I mean, I guess called up is the right word, but he's been getting minutes. He played some some uh, valuable minutes in the ACB game and in the EuroLeague game. And I, he got an opportunity because Barcelona had been getting, getting hit with COVID issues. And I had been iffy on him. I'll, I'll admit that he has looked a lot better playing with the senior club. And I think that the way he's played, if he can continue to show signs, he could end up being a candidate to be selected in the first round in 2023 now i said all that to say this abu baji is more talented than the two in my opinion but abu baji in my opinion is more talented than like 90 percent of the players in this draft and the first thing that stands out when you watch his film is he is a freak athlete i know that term has been overused but he is a freak athlete he has crazy explosiveness and quick twitch vertical pop He's listed at 7'1". He has a ridiculous like 7'8 wingspan and a 9'10 standing reach. So he has very similar measurements to Rudy Gobert, but he's more, I was going to say the word poppy, but he's more explosive than, than Rudy. And like I said, the 7'8 wingspan is crazy enough, but it's literally almost unfair that a guy has that type of length and athleticism and it's all rolled into one player. And I thought that he showed some flashes last summer at the under-19s. 18 points, 11 rebounds, 5 blocks per game, 62% from the floor. Now, he only shot 46% from the foul line, but he left early to attend the NBA Combine. Not the one in Chicago, but the one that they had in Minnesota. Now, I've literally gassed him up with enough compliments that could fill a plane. I mean, he I've put so much gas that he's if he's listening or somebody give him this message, they're probably like, yo, this dude must be related to him or something like that. But anyway, if you ask me why do I think he's a top 10 pick and why, is not, why isn't he being considered as a top 10 pick? And to be honest with you, I wish I knew. I don't know if his intel is bad. I don't know if he's lazy. I don't know what. I have no idea. Maybe he's like Robert Williams. Now, Williams was, in my opinion, talented enough to be a top 10 pick, but he fell in the draft due to some reasons that, in my opinion, were not related to his talent. And maybe it was part of his issues of being on time. That's how he got the name Time Lord, or maybe it was lack of professionalism. I don't, professionalism, I'm not sure, but he failed. I thought he was going to be a top six pick in that draft. In my opinion, Abu Baji is very similar, just bigger. And that's why I've given him a first-round grade. I am the type of person that would go for home runs and I think if if he can maximize his God-given talent then he could be really really special 
All right, so I've given you my two international prospects that I think that at least I have as first-round picks. Now I have a few guys that are second-round picks that at least second-round picks on my big board that I think could end up being first-round picks. And they are it's three different players, and I've studied their film. And one is Mark Williams. The other is Christian Coloco. And Mark Williams is from Duke. Christian Coloco is from Arizona. I think they are pretty similar but they are the total opposite of Trevion Williams, who I also believe has first-round potential. Coloco and Williams are like your athletic, energetic rim runners, vertical lob threats. Both are totally dependent on a playmaker to create their scoring opportunities outside of offensive rebound putbacks. Now, as far as Trevion, he is your, I mean, um, think of your, your skilled, old-school, back-to-the-basket, bruiser, below-the-rim finisher, someone that you can dump the ball to on the block and, and be confident that he'll get you a bucket or create an open look for a teammate. And the reason I say that is because Travion Williams out of Purdue is a nifty, nifty passer. Actually, you know, he was in the same tournament that I saw Abu Baji in in 2019. Baji was 16 while Williams had just finished his freshman season at Purdue. He was on a team with, like, Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham and Jalen Suggs. Anyway, but Williams is a nifty, nifty passer. And I, when I say he's a nifty passer, I'm not just talking about for a center. I think that he is a good playmaker regardless of position. He doesn't really fit the description as the defensive anchor or the floor spacer that I mentioned earlier. But I think that his passing ability and the – way that he can be used as a hub in the post as a ball mover or connective tissue can offset his lack of rim production and outside shooting he's listed at 610 255 but i don't believe that i don't believe that for a minute i think he's got to be closer to about 270 but what i like is that he carries it well he will put the ball on the floor and bully his way to the basket. He's agile. He's fluid in the hips. He has a little bit of dream shake in his toolbox. So if you watch him play, his favorite move is like a little Hakeem shimmy shake with a, with a soft touch baby hook. And he has, again, like I said, a soft touch, but he has strong hands. He's a guy that I like to watch grab rebounds because if he can get a finger on it, he literally gobbles up rebounds. And he's averaging about nine rebounds per game and only about 21 minutes. And the reason why his minutes are low is because he is sharing minutes. In my opinion, I think outside of Drew Timmy, he's probably the most polished offensive low post scorer in this draft class. He's tough to defend one-on-one due to his size, his strength, and his scoring instincts. And, of course, the soft touch, like I mentioned. And you know what? I just kind of miss the old-school NBA. So maybe I'm a little biased. I miss the old-school NBA where... A guy like Trevion Williams would have been a at least a lottery pick. It's it's crazy to me to think like, and I talked about this with with Jalil Okafor, but someone like Elton Brand may not have been a lottery pick if he were born in 2000. If he were in this class, had the same exact game, he may not be a lottery pick. People would say he doesn't really space the floor like that, even though Brand could shoot a little bit. But you know, the game has changed. I got to stop digressing now. Mark Williams from Duke and Christian Coloco are like more so of the new school centers. You know, like I said, the vertical lob threats, the guys that get all their points off the dunker and they run the floor. You, you see a lot of those guys, but 
I mean, even like Mitchell Robinson and some of the other guys, you can find value in those guys later on in the draft. Now, there's one more name that I left off, but I think he could be a first-round pick. And the reason I left him off is because he won't be listed as a center, but it is Ohio State's EJ Liddell. He is 6'7", 240, and again, he won't be listed as a center on any list. But I definitely can see him being a small ball five that actually plays in closing lineups in the NBA. And the reason I say that is because he's got like this perfect frame to be a small ball five. He's got, like I said, a thick, strong frame. He has these legs that are the size of tree trunks, which allows him to defend physical low post players. He has the lower body strength to be able to keep them out of their sweet spots on the block. Think about like... Chuck Hayes, how strong his lower body was and how you couldn't post Chuck Hayes up because he was that strong. I think Liddell may not be like that type of post defender, but he does have the the frame that I think where he could get away with playing small ball five in a, in a pinch. Another reason why I think he can be a small ball five despite only being 6'7 is because he's an exceptional shot blocker for his height. I mean, he is off the ground quick. Like, I'm going to make a highlight just off of his blocks. Like, he just doesn't look like a guy that has pogo stick-type hops, but he gets that 240 pounds off the ground, I mean, exceptionally fast. It's it's impressive because not only is he a really good shot blocker despite being undersized, but he is a really good shooter from deep. I actually saw a game against Northwestern where, I swear, it seemed like he was like four for four from deep in like the first four minutes. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but he's a legit floor floor spacer on the college level. And I think that he projects to be a rotational player, glue guy, someone that will excel in a complimentary role. How I would describe him, I'd say imagine a taller PJ Tucker that's quick off his feet, but can also pick and pop. He offensively, in college, he has a nice mid-range game. He has a nice low post game. He can't put the ball on the floor a little bit, but I don't think that he'll get those same touches in the NBA. I think he'd be able to cash NBA checks as a floor spacer, undersized five, and rim protector. Well, that wraps up this episode. I just covered a few of the fives or centers that I think could possibly hear their name selected in the first round abu baji's my wild card but before i go i want to talk to you about locked on bets i talk about locked on bets every episode but i would suggest listening to locked on bets for your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs locked on bets is hosted by your boy q with expert analysis and insight from lee sterling it is free and it is available on all platforms once again it's rafael barlow nba draft junkies recording live in paris france and this is the point in the show where i say i am out